Welcome to Animals to the Max. I'm your host, Corbin Maxey. This show is about animals and the people who dedicate their lives to them. And welcome everybody to another episode of Animals to the Max. I'm your host, Corbin Maxey. How is everybody doing today all around the world? As always, you know I appreciate every single one of you for listening to the show. I just want to give several shout outs. Well, I guess I can't shout out everyone because there's a lot of people, but I appreciate everyone who took the time to rate and review the show. Thank you so much. I actually gave you all personal shout outs on my Instagram story with the animals, which was really fun. I'm continuing to do that. So if you rate and review the show, take a screenshot of it, message it to me on my Instagram or my Facebook or email it to me, info at CorbinMaxi.com, and I will give you a personal shout out with one of the animals I do have to put kind of a kind of a warning in there I cannot give you a shout out with the alligators because I'd like to keep all my hands okay with that said you are going to love today's show on the podcast we have Jeff Ewelt and he is currently the executive director of Zoo Montana He's also an animal trainer and TV personality. He goes as Jeff the Nature Guy. You might have seen his YouTube videos. He's an awesome guy, and I absolutely loved talking to him. And I'll tell you what, this is just such a story, and I will tell you what, I guarantee it, I bet my money on it, that Zoo Montana will be in some type of... um, TV series, either for like Animal Planet or Nat Geo, because it really is remarkable what Jeff has done. So he stepped on to be the director, I believe back in, I want to say 2008, 2009. And right before he stepped on to become the director, the zoo was completely in the hole. Matter of fact, he literally rose Zoo Montana up from the grave. The day before he set to become the new director, the zoo lost accreditation from the Association of Zoos and Aquariums, meaning basically like they just had lost everything. It's the highest standard. If you're a zoo, you want that accreditation and they had just lost it. And Jeff had just stepped on as the director. They had lost support from the community. It just was this big disaster. And now the zoo has completely done a full turnaround. They have all these amazing animals, incredible habitats. I just had such a good time talking to Jeff about what it was like running a small zoo. Now, when I say small, it's not like super tiny. It's 70 acres. But what's so cool about Zoo Montana is they focus on animals that can literally withstand the cool and extreme temperatures of Montana. It gets super cold. It also gets super hot in the summer. So animals that can withstand those temperatures. And it's great. They have 56 species, over 100 different animals. I loved talking to him. And I'm going to be honest, when I went in on this interview, I didn't realize how much I had in common with Jeff. And you'll hear, you'll actually hear throughout the interview, I keep on saying that Jeff is very similar to Jack Hanna and his story because, you know, both, you know, him and Jack Hanna rose zoos up from the dead. Jack, you know, you know, uh, rising the Columbus Zoo back in the 70s. Jeff, you know, working at Zoo Montana. But I realized, you know, after going through the interview, I was like, oh my God, Jeff and I actually have a lot in common. We both have a passion for animals. We both love hosting. We both love doing, you know, videos with animals. And he's also done some stuff on like Nat Geo. He helped uh, as an animal handler for Late Night with Conan O'Brien. He was on Extreme Home Makeover. It's really cool to kind of talk to someone and kind of to relate to someone. It's kind of, you know, and and animal people, you know, as you know, um, are sometimes hard to relate to if you don't work with animals. But, you know, I work with animals and I also, you know, work a lot in TV and it's kind of, um, you know, it's kind of hard sometimes to find people to relate to because it's quite a tricky business. Anyway, so I had a fun time talking to Jeff. I know you're going to love it, but before we get going, as always, please make sure to subscribe to the show on iTunes, leave a rating and review. I appreciate all of them coming in. Also make sure to check out the social channels, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Corbin Maxi. And please send me your guest suggestions. I love them. Um, I, you know, I've, I've received a lot of them. And if some of you are like, oh man, Corbin, I sent you a guest suggestion months ago. Why have they not been on the show? Sometimes it does take time, especially with these famous people people. It's like, it's just, oh my God, these famous people, it takes them, you know, it takes months to get them booked, but don't worry. I'm on it. So send me your guest suggestions. With that said, I hope you enjoy my interview with Jeff Ewelt from Zoo Montana. Thank you so much for doing the show. You bet, Jeff. Happy to be here. Okay. Now I'll tell you what, we've only had one other director on the show and that was a, a, a zoo director and that was Jack Hanna. So no pressure. <laughs> yeah, no, I know, right? The big shoes to follow. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But Jeff, you're the executive director of Zoo Montana, but I've been actually watching a lot of your YouTube videos. I feel like I'm talking to a celebrity because you also do like YouTube videos. You've done TV appearances, voiceover work. Like I cannot wait to talk to you. 
Yeah, I tell you what, it's it's so much fun. I mean, you know how it is. You're getting out there and be able to reach the masses. That's what it's all about, especially for kids. That's that's my I just I love being able to reach kids and having fun and getting on their level. It just it makes the job that much better. Yeah, so take me back. Like, I mean, by the way, I mean, I hope you take this as a compliment, but you're pretty young. I wasn't expecting you to be so young. I appreciate that. I'm not as young as I look, but but thank you. Uh, yeah, you know, I've been fortunate, and I've been very fortunate in my career, and I've kind of moved up quickly, and uh, and, and it, we'll definitely get into that with the story. But yeah, it's it's a uh, it's a pretty interesting story for sure. Yeah, I mean, because you're, I was expecting some like stuffy old zoo director vibe, and I'm not getting that at all. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's funny. I, we I just recently listened to another podcast about rebel leaders and and leaders that are kind of shedding this whole suit and tie look and and being who you are. And I really believe in that. And yeah, I, I don't look like your typical director. I've got the shaggy beard. I wear my hat everywhere I go. Oh, me too. Um, you know, but I but I really do believe in kind of what this podcast is saying is that that sometimes wins more respect. And people really respect that more sometimes than a suit and tie. And I really believe that. And, and, and I just that's something I want to ingrain in my staff is be who you are. You know, let's 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 take this ride together and have fun with it. Heck, yeah. OK, so let's let's get into it. Where did you grow up? Yeah, so I, I grew up in Cleveland, Ohio. I am a, I'm a Cleveland boy, still a Browns fan to this day, as hard as it is to, to say that. <laughs> uh, and, and, you know, it's it's funny, and in, in, in the risk of sounding cheesy, I remember the moment, and, and I'm I, you know, as an animal guy, you get this, I remember the moment that I knew what I wanted to do. And I was, I was volunteering at a science center uh, for a shadowing project for middle school, and I was doing all this work that I didn't really think I liked. I was, you know, cutting up mice for birds and cleaning up animals and, and all that stuff that comes behind the scenes. And I left thinking, man, I, I don't think I want to do this for a living. But at the end of the day, before we ended, the guy that I was shadowing brought me over to this room and he opened the door and there's a little saw wet owl, a little tiny owl about this big, and he let me hold it. And it was that moment that bird hit my hand. I knew, golly, this is something I got to do with the rest of my life. And, the, and, the, and I kind of went from there. Okay, so did you want to become a zookeeper or zoo director? What what path did you choose? Yeah, so at that moment, I knew I wanted to do something where I could have a bird on my hand and educate people. And now, in, in the sixth grade, I didn't know what that looked like. And so, as I went through my career, as I went through schooling, I didn't know where that would lead me. And when I went to school, I went to Ohio State University in, in Columbus, and I got a job working at the Columbus Zoo. But I was selling hot dogs and Pepsi, <laughs> you know, doing the concessions. You know Heck how it yeah, is. That's awesome, and, man. Yeah. And so as I was doing that, I was going to school for interpretation, environmental interpretation. And finally, after two years of working at the Columbus Zoo and in, in, in the concession area, I got a job at the, with the goats at the petting zoo. Wasn't what I wanted, but I was happy with animals. And then finally landed a job at the bird show after a couple of years of uh, putting some hard work in. Dude, that's awesome. So, what would, I mean, can I just ask this kind of off topic, but like on the on your resume, were you like at the Columbus Zoo for two years, but you like left out the concession? <laughs> Yeah, I may have. I would have said like guest <laughs> services or like. <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly. You know, a guest experience. Oh, there you go. No, Jeff, that is, I'm so happy you said that because so many people email me and I, I, you know, being a zoo director, you have so many applicants and you talk to a lot of people, young professionals or who want to get into the field. I mean, you had to work your way up. It wasn't just like graduating college and getting right in, right? Yeah, absolutely. And that's something that I really try to ingrain in everybody that I talk to. And, and yeah, you, we do. We get a lot of applicants. And when people ask for advice, I always say, boy, volunteering your time, getting in there and, and, and paying your dues, letting them know, especially those at the zoo, that you are interested, it goes a long way. And it does here at the zoo. You know, a lot of our, our uh, employees that we hire for the keeping staff uh, start off either as an intern or at our front desk and then move their way up. I, I really believe in that. So did you go in, I mean, in school, were you trying for their positions and the concessions were the only, like, only thing available, basically? Yeah, that's exactly right. Okay. Is, you know, I wanted to walk right into an animal position, but it didn't work that way, especially at, at Columbus. And uh, so I knew I just had to get my foot in the door and start working. And as I did that, I volunteered at a local rehab center doing some education programs for them. That just kind of got me some of the experience I needed. You know, and then in the zoo world, it, you know, it, it certainly, you know, it, it, you, they want experience. But, boy, getting that experience is difficult. And so uh, volunteering that time or, or, like you said, putting the foot in the door, that was a big deal for me. And, and it worked. Okay. So let's talk about the Columbus Zoo. Was your idol Jack Hanna or did you see Jack? Let's talk about that. 
Yeah, it certainly was, you know, and I grew up with him. I certainly, uh, you know, loved his his late night appearances and, of course, his oh, show. Yeah. And I'll never forget when I was, you know, I was on the low rung of the totem pole working at, at the concession stand. I remember one time he walked by and I was like, oh, my God, there he is. And it blew me away. You know? <laughs> and, and so now when I when I have the opportunity to work with them, you know, it, it, it's awesome. It's kind of a full circle moment for me. And it was it was pretty amazing. So, yeah, I, I was starstruck the first time I see him. I think a lot of people in this business are. Yeah, that's so cool. Yeah, I love Jack. And I was starstruck, like talking to him. Like I was like, yeah. "Oh my god, <laughs> it's awesome! Yeah, it's the legend." Okay, so two years, and you're working concessions, and then you move on to the to the bird show, correct? Yeah. So I went on to the bird show, and uh, boy, just found my place there. You know, what's so funny is that it, I'm a big believer in passion. You know, you follow your passion, and it's going to change you. It's going to let you be somebody that you've always wanted to be, and. That's what the bird show did for me. I was always a, I still am an introverted person. I'm very shy. But when I have an animal with me or a bird on my hand, it changes my complete outlook. And I, I love getting up on stage. I love getting in front of that camera and educating people about that animal. Um, if you asked me to get on stage and talk about engines of a car, I'd be petrified. Uh, but animals, <laughs> they just, they have that, they have that, uh, that ability to change me, and it's it's amazing. And so as soon as I got I got on that stage working with those birds, I knew I was right where I needed to be. It was a fantastic feeling. That is interesting. I've never heard anyone say that because you don't come off as an introverted guy. I mean, you're great on yeah. camera, like conversation. We're having a great conversation. That is really – I've never looked at it like that. Yeah, and it, it, it surprises a lot of people. But I'll tell you, my, my normal personality is I'm a hermit. I, in fact, that's why I wear a hat all the time because I feel like it <laughs> – covers me a little bit. It's, it's my way of, you know, pushing up <laughs> a little bit of my, my introvertness. But anyway, it's, it's, uh, but you put me in front of a, a camera with an animal and I'm just, I, I'll change my personality. It's, it's pretty amazing. Wow. That is so cool. Yeah. That's really interesting to, to kind of look at that. Okay. So you're at the bird show. I mean, were you wanting to have like a full-time position at the Columbus zoo? Was that your train of thought? Yeah, that was certainly my my whole my whole goal was to finally get a full time position. Never did happen to the Columbus Zoo. I, I moved on before that, but um, yeah, you know, I, getting in that bird show was right where I wanted to be, and to be able to do that as a living, boy, sign me up. I would have been all about it. Uh huh. It was just so competitive. There is that what? It, it was. Yeah, it, it really was. You know, and, and a lot of times in in, in some well, in a lot of zoos, you know, people get those coveted positions and, and they stick around. You know, so sometimes yeah. <laughs> cannot be easy so yeah they got to be really old or or get a really good job elsewhere to move on oh you'll see them at zoos too i mean just these old people you think oh my goodness you'd think they would be in the grave by now but they're not they're still holding on that's it i guess that outdoor hard work can make you live longer that's good i guess yeah oh my goodness okay really quick what type of birds were you working with so a lot of birds of prey, um, okay. and, and then a lot of uh, parrot species as well. Uh, my favorite was an Andean condor. We had an Andean Ooh. condor named Keto. I just, I mean, I'm a vulture guy. That's that's kind of what I love. And so being able to work with an incredible animal like a condor was just, especially at that age, it was just absolutely an amazing, exper amazing experience. Okay, were there any birds that kept you on your toes? Uh, that condor certainly did, without a doubt. And then the parrots, I mean... I have a love-hate relationship with parrots. I mean, certainly they're an amazing animal, and gosh, their intelligence and their beauty, but they're jerks. I, <laughs> no offense to parrots, but my gosh, they can uh, they can be mean at times. And, and there's nothing like a parrot flying to you on a stage, biting you, and you got to keep your composure as you're getting bit. Oh it's never God. fun. So those parrots... They certainly keep you on your toes, and they're smart. You got to stay one step ahead of them, you know. You know, I've never been bit by a parrot. I've been like nipped a little bit, but I couldn't even imagine like a full on like uh, a macaw. Oh my god, they could take yeah, off a it, finger. It's, it's brutal, you know. And I, you know, and I, I'm a, I am a big believer that you know when a bird bites you, it's your fault, it's not the bird's fault. It's something you did, something you moved on, but still doesn't make it any much be that much better when you when you're getting a macaw beak in your in your hand. But oh no, you know what? I was bit by a Eurasian eagle owl once. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God, that hurt. And I was filming, <laughs> yeah. too. And I was like, oh, and it was my fault. I had my thumb. I was trying to feed it, and even my thumb was out. And my God, that hurt. I mean, that was <laughs> – I didn't, yeah, didn't even have the pressure of, like, a parrot. I couldn't imagine. <laughs> I love it. Okay, so where does your journey take you? You're at the bird show. Where do you go from there? Yeah, so from there, I ended up getting a uh, – I, I graduated with my degree. And then uh, shortly thereafter, I went to Tampa, Florida. And I was at uh, Tampa's Lowry Park Zoo, uh, which is now called Zoo Tampa. And I, uh, I went down there to, to, uh, to uh, be part of the bird show there. And it was a short, uh, gosh, maybe a year stint. And uh -huh. then the, the leader, the, the head guy of the bird show left. 
And so I took over the the bird show and the uh, animal ambassador program was the official name of it. So we were in charge of not only uh, on-ground bird shows and education programs like outreaches and what have you, but we also did a lot of training of, uh, helped with the training of other animals zoo-wide for medical procedures. So, uh, you know, training a rhino to present its hindquarter for blood Ooh. draws, things, things like that. So a lot of training involved, but again, it, that education was really the core of that position. So were birds always your, I mean, were they like your first passion? Is that what I'm yeah, I'm definitely a bird. I'm definitely a bird nerd, without a doubt. Birds are where I gravitate to. Okay. Um, but uh, you know, certainly working with other species was was commonplace. A lot of mammals and reptiles. Um, I'm a big reptile guy too. Oh yeah, very very nice. Okay, so you're working with birds, different types of animals, and you're there a year. So I was there actually. I was at Tampa uh, Lowry Park Zoo for ten years. For ten um, years. That's where mo- yeah, that's where most of my career was, was in Tampa, Florida. And uh, my partner and I down there, her name was Melinda, she, her and I um, kind of created just, I don't know, just this really fun and entertaining kind of, of area in the zoo. And, uh, yeah, we had a good thing going for 10 years. And uh, uh, But Florida was wearing on me, and Florida's a hard place to live year-round. I don't know how people do it their whole life. It wasn't for us, and so we decided to, to uproot and, and move out. Wait, wait, okay, this is, so let's go back for 10 years. Was it, so the bird show and other animal encounters, did you guys have like a show? Like yeah, a, so we had a bird show. We did all the school programs, so on and oh. off ground programs, and then we did a manatee encounter. We called it as well, uh, which was pretty cool. So, oh, cool! And, yeah, and that I tell you, people ask me, "What do I miss most about Florida?" And manatees are it. They yeah, talk about an animal we can learn a lot from. They are just the gentlest, calmest, most incredible being on this planet, and I really miss working with them. We had a great rehab facility at Lowry Park Zoo where they would come in injured, we'd rehab them, and then out they would go. And being a part of those releases, it was it was mind blowing. Oh my goodness! I remember going behind the scenes at a zoological facility when I was like 15 or 16, and we went to go see the manatees, and they're like. They're like, don't touch the manatees. And of course, we're like, let's touch the manatees. It's <laughs> like, I'm going to touch this manatee. Like, what am I ever going to do? They're so cool. We we're feeding them like, you know, leaves of romaine lettuce. I could yeah. still remember it like it was yesterday. It's awesome. Absolutely. And they are. They're just there. They'll stick with you. They are just an uh, amazing animal. And uh, yeah, so we did a little uh, education piece on that. But of course, we tried to make it fun. Um, that's just how we are. You know, sometimes some of those education talks can be boring. So we, we added some comedy and humor to it. But it was it was a good time. Oh, did you have any like good manatee jokes? Uh, I did. Gosh, I know you're going to ask me that. Uh, I, I wish would, I would have had some ready. One of the things we always used to laugh at is that, you know, a lot of the sailors used to see manatees and believe that they were mermaids. And I, we always always say, how much rum did the poor guys have? <laughs> that's, that's rough. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> see, I'm dying over here. And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> I like it. <laughs> that's so awesome. I would have been like, I, okay, if I was doing one, I would have been like, this is me after Thanksgiving dinner. Like, you know what I mean? I'm sure there's that's a good. lot. Of- I like that. <laughs> yeah. Did you get like, I'm sure you got so many uneducated people. Like, what was the craziest thing you ever heard someone? Did you ever hear people be like, oh, look at that seal or what else? You know what I mean? Or like crazy. Oh, gosh, stuff. absolutely. We'd get that a lot of times. And a lot of times the thing that would get us most angry was were, were folks that would be upset of no wake zones because of the manatee protection. Why oh. should we slow down our boat to protect this animal? And that really happened. And it just it blows my mind that people really think that way and, and that are upset that they can't go fast in their boat because it might save an animal. I just, I don't get that. And, and I'll tell you, sometimes the ignorance in this business is it's mind blowing. It's frustrating. I um, mean, and people ask me the worst part of the job and honestly, that's, that's it. Yeah. I was just, this is so off topic, but this just, I was um, at our local zoo yesterday and we were seeing wild dogs and I heard some visit and I was trying and they, they thought the hyena was one of the dogs. I was like, oh, you know, I was telling them, oh no, the wild dogs are over there. And the guy's like, oh, he's like, once you've seen one dog, you've seen them all. I didn't, I didn't even respond because I, I don't even want to entertain, but I'm sitting there thinking this is like one of the rarest carnivores on earth and you don't yeah. give a flying like crap. It just was like blew my mind and I hadn't been to the zoo in a while and I was like, oh wow, it's a good refresher. Yeah, it really is a good refresher. It's frustrating to say the least. And, uh, you know, especially with, with, yeah, like you said, the rarest carnivore in the world or, you know, these incredible sea animals that you're only going to see them here. It just, yeah, it's mind blowing. So any other memories in Florida? So, yeah, for me, I mean, Florida was just, it was a great time all around. And, and for me, 
my partner and I, we had a great working relationship, and we would do these. Our, well, some of the funnest shows we did were our Halloween shows, and we would go uh, over the top on our Halloween shows and just do some goofy stuff. And Ilari Park gave us a lot of freedom, which was phenomenal, and yeah, we kind of got a fun little following there, and that, that was a lot of good, a lot of good times. And Florida itself, you know, I do miss. I miss alligators. I miss canoeing the springs. Uh, you know, so there are things in Florida that I certainly miss, but, but that heat, my God, that heat, I do not miss that at all. Is it is it that bad? Is that why you said year-round it's just too much? It was. It was the summers, you know, working outdoors. I mean, it was just, it was brutal. And I, I credit to those that, that do it uh, full-time. Uh, it was certainly a, uh, I, I give them credit because it, it, it was not easy. But on that said, Florida and, and Lowry Park Zoo gave me a lot. Um, they gave me some incredible experience and, and gave me the, I think, the experience I needed then to move further in my career. And then you went, I mean, literally to the exact polar opposite, right? Zoo Montana? <laughs> like, you go from yeah, Florida you know, and, to Zoo Montana. Exactly, and kind of a sight unseen, honestly. So we, we had just had a son in Florida, my wife and I, and Florida was just a little too high-paced for us, the heat, as I was saying, and it was just a little too busy. School's not the best, and so we didn't want to raise our, our kid there. And so we decided to do something wild and different and, and moved out to Montana, uh, sight unseen. And we came out here. Uh, I started actually my out here in Montana. I started a, there's a little wildlife uh, uh, sanctuary, rehab center, uh, in a little place called Red Lodge, Montana, a population of 2,500 people. So we moved from Tampa, Florida, to 2,500 person mountain town. It was a culture shock to say the least, but um, it, it remains to this day the best decision we've ever made. Now, did you see that opening at the rehab center? Is that why you, so, yeah. I did, I okay. did, yeah. And it was my kind of first jump into directorship and uh, I decided, you know, it's a small facility, let's give it a shot and move forward and, and, and got the job. And so we decided to, to pack up and move out. Now, were you scared though, because I've talked to a lot of directors, like not on the podcast, but just friends of mine. Were you scared moving into more of like an administrative position that you weren't going to be as hands-on with the animals taking that position? I was, yeah, absolutely. That, that certainly did scare me a little bit. However, the way that I justified that to myself is that because it was such a small facility that I went to, I knew that they were going to need the help, number one, and that I'm a big believer that directors should be hands-on anyway. And so I wanted to instill that into the culture as well. And so, and that's exactly what happened. Okay. Okay. So you're at the sanctuary. How did Zoo Montana come about? I mean, let's, you know, yeah. let's talk and about that, was, that. That was a crazy story. So Zoo Montana, as I was at the sanctuary, Zoo Montana was having some financial problems up here in, in Billings. And it's about a 45 minute drive from where I was to, to Billings. And they were they had essentially hit rock bottom. Zoo Montana is a young zoo. It's only 25 years old, and that's a pretty but uh, it's a baby in the zoo world. And so it's had its up and downs. And eight years ago, it hit rock bottom, and it honestly it probably should have been shut down. And I was seeing all this in the news, and I was seeing, and I looked at my wife, and I said, I want my chance. I want to take on Zoo Montana and see what we can do. So I boldly came up here, and I I reached out to the board of directors at the time. And they, we had this kind of like back alley meeting in a bar in a bar. <laughs> and I said, guys, I, I, I said, you don't know who I am. I said, but I wanted, I want a chance to take this forward. And I think I was the only one dumb enough to do that. And so they said, okay. So I, I directed both facilities for three months, and and then uh, and then left the sanctuary after those three months to take on the full time job here at Zoo at Zoo Montana. So Jeff, what was going on eight years ago? Yeah. So Give listeners, I, an idea. Right. So so we were at at that time, eight years ago, we were AZA accredited and they lost accreditation because of finances. So Zoo Montana, it was it was four hundred thousand dollars in the hole. Um, there's no public funding here. So there was no you know great check on the horizon. Um, they had forgotten the community The you know, and, and believe me, I, I don't want this to come across wrong. I'm all about conservation. That's what zoos are. I believe in that. However, you have to interject the E word, the entertainment word, which a lot of people in this business shy away from and it drives me nuts. You have to be entertaining in order to get people to come through your gates. Oh, God, yeah. But, yeah, you, yeah, you know that. And But they had forgotten that. They So they had forgotten the community, and so the community lost trust in the zoo. The community lost um, engagement in the zoo. They, they didn't know what was going on, so they, they didn't care. And so the community lost hope. And so because of that, the zoo was just, it was in it was in dire condition. And like I said, should have been shut down. I will say animal care at the time was fantastic. And when AZA came back to rescind our member, our, our, our accreditation, they, uh, they 
uh, made a point to say that animal care was great, but its finances and its lack of leadership, um, which is why they rescinded the, the, um, the uh, accreditation at that time. Yeah, I pulled up an article with you, and one quote says, uh, you were bringing back the zoo from the grave. <laughs> I was like, oh my god. <laughs> you know, it's funny, you la we laugh at that, but it, it was true. It, it, it was not good. And in fact, I'll never forget, um, the day before I started, we lost accreditation, so it was a great thing to walk into. Oh, awesome. Uh, but we had also, the, the insurance company pulled our insurance. And, you know, obviously, I'm not going to open a zoo with no insurance. And yeah. so that was the first thing we had to do is make sure that, that we could get insurance back. And, and we did. And, and, and the rest is history, which has been a grand story. But, um, you know, my motivation on that first day when things were really dark and I was thinking to myself, what am I doing? Obviously, you know, staff morale was low. I'll never forget a school bus pulled up with a group full of kids. They got off that bus screaming with excitement. And I looked at those kids and I thought to myself, those kids could care less about what's going on behind the scenes. All they want to do is they want to have a fun day at the zoo. And that was such a motivating force to me um, that we need to save the zoo because of that bus full of kids. And that was, that was I, I remember clearly that motivation that day to move forward with, with this project. My God, your story mirrors Jack Hanna so much. With him. It's scary. It's weird. I didn't think going into this interview would be like this, but you're telling me more, and it's like he walked into Columbus, I think, in the 70s, and it was like yeah. nearly shut down, ran by the sewer department, employee morale was off. That's really crazy. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a little scary, honestly. <laughs> you mean, <laughs> I'm serious. Like, that's okay. So what were the big changes? Like, so you walk in the day before you walk in, you lose accreditation. My God. I mean, I don't know how you didn't have a drinking problem, but so you go in and so tell me, like, what did you do? Yeah, so the first thing is I, I had to put on the positive face. I had to make sure those employees, you know, it, it, but I, I think the last thing they wanted to see was my happy-go-lucky face, but I, I had to put that image out there that, guys, things are going to be okay. Um, I'm, a very, I'm, I'm a very optimistic person, and I just said we're going to get through this, and we're going to move forward, and we're going to get to the point where this, this thing is back to where it used to be. And so the first thing we had to do besides talking with the staff is we had to get the trust back of the community. So the first thing I did is I went to the local media outlets and I said, you know, and, and Billings is small. And I said, guys, listen, I said, the, the zoo has not been good to you, the media. I get that. I said, but it, a new, there's a new, it's a new era. And I said, I will give you the information you need. I will be transparent, but let me come on. Let's have fun. Let's get some animals on here and show these guys a good time. And, and they said, okay. And as soon as we were able to get on there and, and get some animals on, and I mean, you you know how it is. You get you know you have fun with those anchors and those hosts and what have you. Um, it, it sells. It sells itself. And as soon as we started getting on camera, people started saying, and it just happens to be this this ugly mug people have to see. But I knew the zoo needed a face, and that was so crucial. And as soon as people started seeing me having fun with animals and 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 it's still educating, but having a good time, it started. Going downhill, started gaining momentum is what I mean. Started gaining momentum. And, and, and then, you know, we started reaching out to audiences that may have not have thought about the zoo. So I do, you know, our local quote-unquote shock jock. I went on his show, and now we, I have a weekly show with him uh, because it's an audience that the zoo has always been afraid to go after, that younger audience. But we have to. And so getting that guerrilla media campaign I really think is what is that's what I credit as as our comeback is is the media becoming good to us. That's awesome. And do you think because you're great on camera, you're great having this conversation, you're just so charismatic. Is that something you think you learned? You know, like back in the day with like the bird shows, or did you always just have that charisma or like? No, I, I completely credit the bird show days to that. Getting up on stage, learning the mannerisms of the audience, um, you know, knowing what get what gets them excited, um, you know, knowing what they want to hear, uh, you know, and, and, and then and, and you know as as a host on some of these these talk shows, you know, being able to get the information in quickly enough that your audience hears it, but the host doesn't get bored, you know, with you, that's a hard thing to do. And so being able to know how to interject that material in a fun way that people are going to walk away with it, um, absolutely, I, I credit the Bird Show for that. Yeah, I think all those years, they say, you know, you're good at something. If I think they say, like, what, 10,000 hours plus? Yeah. Like, yeah, I completely agree with that. Local, yeah. yeah. 
100%. That's awesome. So you started doing these TV appearances. Did you start doing events and, you know, like boo at the zoo or, you know, stuff like that? Yeah, that's exactly right. And so then, so, you know, obviously we're getting in front of the camera. Then the the hard part was, okay, how do we start bringing in dollars and bringing in money and, and, and revenue for the zoo to bring it back? And and we do not get any kind of public funding. So we had to be creative with with the way that we bring our dollars in. And so special events were a big part of it. And, and we have an incredible special events uh, uh, gal named Leanne. Uh, and she kind of got it and understood, okay, what kind of events can we bring in here? What can we do to bring the audience in? Um, and, then, and then on the side thing, development. And, and one of the key pieces to bring in the zoo back was gaining that trust back of the, of the public. And I, I remember reaching out to one of our past donors and saying, you know, his, his name was Gary. And I said, Gary, you know, you've been a great supporter of the zoo and the zoo has now treated you well. And, and for that, I apologize. But will you give us one more shot? And I promise you will see where your money, where, where your, your money goes. And he was a big otter fan, wanted to put money towards our otter exhibit. And at the time, it was, you know, it was a it was a significant check for us at the time. And I very much wanted to use that check to pay for the electric bill. But I, <laughs> I had to make sure that we put improvements in the otter exhibit so he could see that we did that. He saw that. And you know how those donors are. They bump elbows with other other folks with money. And the next thing you know, things start moving forward. And, and as people started seeing these improvements and seeing that we promised their money went where we said it would, um, then things just started steamrolling from, steamrolling from there. Our events started growing. And now some of our events, and granted, Billings is only 100,000 people. It, it's okay. small. And, and from Idaho, you know how small towns work. Um, but we're, you know, on some of our biggest events, we're seeing five, 6,000 people at these events. And for us, that's a huge, huge number for Billings, Montana. So we're, we're pretty thrilled with how far we've come. That's amazing. Okay, so now let's talk about some of the animals because you are in a different climate and there are some animals you can have and some animals are would be really difficult just because of the cool, you know, really cold winter. So let's talk about some of the animals you have. Yeah, and thanks for letting me talk about this because this is something that's very near to me um, and sometimes I get a lot of slack for. And we, I want to run a different kind of zoological park. I want to run an operation that isn't corporate for one, is I don't, I never want to become this kind of big corporate entity. I want to remain really, really natural. And we'll get back to that in just a minute. But with the zoo, so yeah, we only feature animals on the 45th parallel north. So you put your finger on Montana, you spin the globe, anything on or above that line, that's where our animals are going to come from. Uh, the only exception to that rule are, is our education collection that we use for, you know, rainforest programs and what have you. But all of the outdoor animals follow that mantra. We do that for two reasons. One is budget. Uh, it doesn't make sense for me to have a 10,000 square foot rainforest at our zoo uh, if I can't guarantee that electric bill is going to be able to be paid. You know, if I had a million dollar check from, coming from the city every year and I knew that that was dedicated to running the operations, great. Uh, but we don't have that. So I want to make sure I can have animals that can have minimal night houses that do not need the heating, the AC, that they can tolerate the climate that is that is Montana. Number two, and I think more importantly, is I personally believe, and my staff does, it's better for the animal. If we have animals that can tolerate the crazy climate that is Montana, they could be outside 99% of their life. The only time we'd have to bring those animals in is during the evening, and that's for public safety. So if I, could, if I had an elephant, and I had to bring that elephant in for three months out of the year because it's either too wet or it's just too cold, I just personally do not want to have that elephant be indoors for three months. That's just a personal vendetta. And as I run this organization, that's something that's got, I'm going to stay true to. And, and there are some incredible species on this parallel of our planet that uh, we should and can be highlighting. So, uh, so growth uh, looks exciting for us. Wow. Okay. And so you have a little over 50 different species, correct? Yeah. 50. Yeah. So uh, 56 different species and just about 100 animals. So we're tiny. Okay. Okay. And your 70 acres? 70 acres. Yep, exactly. We utilize maybe about 25% of that land. So we oh. got a lot of land. Wow. Okay. So let's talk about some of the animals. Grizzly bears, right? Yeah. So, so grizzly bears, one of the things we love to do here is we love to be a halfway house for grizzlies, which means we help our uh, fish, wildlife and parks uh, with rehab. So if they have a bear that needs a place to go and, and that bear needs to hold, we will hold that bear until it's ready to go. So we just did that for the St. Louis zoo. They brought in two cubs. We held them for a year, got them worked up, trained and what have you, and then sent them over once their exhibit was done. So a lot of North American animals. So we have grizzly bears, we have river otters, of course, your eagles, uh, we have wolves, uh, but we have a lot of exotic too. So we have Siberian or Amur tigers. We have red panda, 
Takin. We just brought Wolverine in, which we're really excited about. And then we just opened a bison exhibit as well. Wow. Okay. So let's talk about Wolverines because very few zoos in the country have Wolverines. Yeah, I'll tell you what, we were so excited. For some unknown reason, we were chosen as one of, I think it's six North American zoos to take part in this European uh, wolverine breeding program. North American wolverine breeding isn't going really well. And so they're trying to infuse this European population into the population for the for the SSP, uh, Species Survival Program. And so, uh, so, yeah, we were chosen. And so we brought two wolverines in, one from Sweden and one from Norway, uh, two young ones. And they came in, and they're doing fantastic. We built a brand-new exhibit for them. Really proud of the exhibit and really built it geared towards the potential for their breeding, um, obviously for genetic diversity. Uh, they did show signs last year. Uh, they're still a little young, so nothing took. We're hoping maybe this year uh, we're lucky with some of those babies. But what a spectacular animal they are. I mean, just endless energy, the strength. I mean, they're just they're brilliant. Yeah, I, I, I would have. Yeah, I've, I've only seen them at one other zoo, and that was at the Detroit Zoo. They had one. Okay, yeah. But, that, but you know, they rarely were out. Would you say they're good exhibit animals? They really are. At least oh, the wow. two we have. They're extremely active. They're always moving around. They're always wrestling and always playing. Yeah, they've been really good for us. I, this is I, How is their temperament? I mean, are you guys, you know, um, protected contact, or how does that work? Yeah, so with them, we don't do protective contact. We actually do we do training within their, their habitat. These two are pretty special wolverines. Um, I don't know if I'd recommend that all the way around, but, uh, but we're pretty fortunate with them. They're pretty, uh, they're, they're, uh, they, they listen well to their training. They, they take to it quite well. And uh, yeah, so we've been very fortunate with these, these two. Oh, wow. My goodness. I would love to come see them someday. Wonderful. We'll make that happen. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Okay, so... You're running the zoo. I mean, what other things? Are you introducing new exhibits on an annual basis? We're trying to, yeah. So certainly the way that we work is is because of that funding mechanism, we have to be very careful with, with how we spend. We do try to add each year as we, as we move forward, and we've been pretty successful with that over the last eight years doing so. Um, however, there are some years that we add some new things that aren't animal-related, like we just built a new pavilion here, um, put a new playground in things such as that matter. So this year, a bison opened up, and then we're bringing a sloth in for, oh. for our <laughs> You saw me. I'm just like, woo! <laughs> yeah, that has caused mass pandemonium in Billings, Montana, the idea that a sloth is coming in. So we're starting that exhibit right now, and that will be part of our education program. Oh, my God. you're gonna The attendance is just going to spike. People love no. sloths. I mean, just... I know. It's crazy. Now, are you going to use this, this as like a hands-on animal ambassador? We are, yes, exactly. So we'll hope that she'll travel, and we'll be working with her, and, and have her be an ambassador that visits other places, but also is is an ambassador here at the zoo as well. Now, have you worked with sloths before? I have actually. Yeah, I've been lucky enough to work one with in Tampa. I worked with one. So a lot of people don't know this, but in my experience with sloths, some of them can be pretty mean. They can, <laughs> like, and, and everyone always says, "What well, they're slow? What can they do?" You'd uh, be surprised. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, no, they can be. I've and I, I love sloths. They're one of my favorite education animals. Cause I mean, first of all, it's always a really easy sell, like to producers. Like, oh, it's a sloth. They're like, oh, bring yeah. it. And people are like, oh my gosh, people always want to cuddle a sloth. And I'm like, I don't think you do. Like, they're not. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, no, not at all. That's awesome. Now, so you're in Montana. It gets really cold. How cold does it get there? Yeah, so we get some pretty cold days. I'll tell you, the craziest thing about Montana are the extremes. So the coldest I've been in was we had a wind chill two years ago of negative 50 degrees. I mean, that was insane. I think actual temperature was like 20 below. But then in the summertime, people are always amazed in Billings. It gets over 100 degrees. And so, I mean, that's a, just a wild swing of temperatures, which is why we have to be pretty mindful of those animals out there. But, yeah, negative 50 wind chill. I mean, that's it's barbaric. Yeah, and are, are you closed during the wintertime? No, we do open. We stay year open year round. Uh, reason being is that wintertime is one of some of the best times to visit Zoo Montana. Um, it, it, the animals are active. It's fun to watch them in the snow. Um, we do not hibernate our bears, so it's fun to see the grizzly bears out in the snow, which is pretty cool. And it only cost me one person to keep the front desk open, so I, I we might as well stay open and let people come in. If they want to uh, bring their sleds, they can. They can snowshoe if they want to. We have a good time with it. Oh, my goodness. Okay, now – what is your dream for Zoo Montana? What is your master plan? Well, I'll tell you, a funny thing is, a portion of that dream just came true last week. We did receive our accreditation by AZA. Congrats. That's so awesome. That was, big, that was big news for us. So that was a big part of the, the dream. 
And really now it's um, sustainability. Um, if I can, excuse me, if I can create an endowment fund that sustains the zoo um, before my time here is done, uh, then I'll feel accomplished. I, I, I don't want the, this community and this zoo to go through what I did eight years ago. It was embarrassing. It was embarrassing for the community. It was obviously embarrassing for the zoo. I don't want that to happen again. So I want to be able to find a funding mechanism that creates sustainability for the zoo but allows future growth. What that looks like, you know, certainly I don't know. You know, it'd be great if that golden check came at some point, but certainly being realistic, um, looking at public funding is not out of the option. And that scares a lot of people, but I think it's something we need to we need to at least look at and figure out how can we make that happen. Absolutely. Now, do you see yourself retiring as a zoo director? I do. Yeah. And I really love Montana. And, and you know, my wife and I just put roots down. We bought a cabin up in the woods. Oh, and nice. it's just... Actually, get this, in the same neighborhood that Jack Hanna had his no. cabin. It's, yeah, what? it's bizarre. I know, it's creepy. Uh, so we love it here, and uh, I don't have any desire to go anywhere. I mean, you never say never. You never know what's going to come up. But, uh, you know, it, it's just a lot of fun. And, and like you, I mean, I love the TV aspect of it. And, you know, if, if there's ever anything we can do on the, the zoo-wide on what we could do with, with some of these producers on Netflix or what have you, we're looking at options there, too. So, I mean, I'd love just to continue our national reach. You know, this little tiny zoo in Montana, you know, getting this national spotlight, I love it. And, and if we can continue that, then I'm all for it. I'll tell you what, I could totally see Nat Geo picking up a series. You know what I mean? It's a, such a unique angle. I'm serious. Yeah, I can absolutely. really no, see that. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree with that. It is a unique angle, and it's like the little zoo that could. It's a, it's a, a fun story, and you know, so I think uh, I think there's some options there. But you know, we're just we're proud of what we have here, and and we're a little different. Kind of going back to that natural piece I was talking about. You know, we we're not a golf course. We let grass grow in our exhibits, long animals like that. You know, we we uh, we we were very uh, partial to ensuring that the animals. Uh, um, uh, yeah, that the water is natural, so we don't use chemicals in our water. So there's a lot of weird things like that at our zoo that are a little bit different than other organizations that we take a lot of pride in. That's great. Okay, so let's just talk about, you mentioned TV. Did you ever want to pursue a career like Jack Hanna? Because it looked like, I looked at your TV credits, and it's like, I, I looked online, and it, it's insane. Like, you've done Nat Geo, Late Night with Conan, Extreme Home Makeover. I have to ask you about that. <laughs> but, that was a lot yeah, of fun. Yeah, let's just talk yeah, about I that. I Absolutely, I, I do, and you know, you you know it, that late night circuit's a tough circuit to get on. I mean, there's animal <laughs> guys everywhere, and you get it. I mean, you know how it is, and oh, yeah, yeah, and I just I can't I can't get into that market. I don't know what you did or how you did it, but kudos to you. So that's where <laughs> eventually I'd, I'd love that. I'm, I, I love hosting. And I, you know, I, I'm not, I, I don't care about a show. Like I would love to host a show. Mm -hmm. Um, if it's somebody's other show, that's what I would love to get into. I, that aspect of the career, because you could still do a lot. I can still do a lot of good here at the zoo. Um, I can get some, you know, some push for zoo Montana, but I can get out there and host. And yeah, that's certainly a, a goal of mine. Get in line. <laughs> I'm yeah, I know. Right? It is so hard. Uh, yeah, it's a hard bark. And you know, so, so I got my star on the Tonight Show at fourteen, and that was yeah, which is incredible. Well, yeah, but I think at the time when you're fourteen, I had never been on TV before, so I don't know yeah. how. I'm a big believer in things happen for a reason. So anyway, I had my reptile rescue. I never thought I'd ever be on TV, but I was on at fourteen. And I was like, oh, wow, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. In my 14-year-old mind, I was like, that's great. Now I'll do Late Night with Conan. I'll do the Today Show. Good morning, America. Then I'll do this. And I'm going to have a show by 18. And it just does yeah. not work like that at all. I mean, it's no, insane. It, it doesn't. Absolutely. It doesn't work like that at all. And, you know, and, and for me, the toughest part is you'll get all these calls from producers and God, things are sounding great. And then it's done. And you don't hear anything else or you know, and I, I, I never get any feedback. What was it? What was it that made you drop that, that yeah. you know? that call or what have you. And I just, I can't seem to figure it out. A while back I was, I was, I was told I was too young. So I grew the beard thinking that might make me, but now maybe I look too grizzly. I don't know. It's, it's a tough business. Dear God, you sound like me. I get it. Yeah. yeah. Oh my God. This is insane. Maybe I should become a zoo director. I just don't know where the <laughs> heck I go around here. Uh, that's well, insane. It, it, it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't help. You know, you think that would give you some credentials. So the next thing we're working on is, is we, yeah, we're working on a, a couple producers on a potential, like you said, you know, the zoo shows are popular right now. Um, you know, the Bronx Zoo is doing theirs with, with the zoo and, and I think San Diego has one now. Yep. And so I think they're interested, like you said, in that take of, okay, we got these big boy zoos. Let's talk about the small zoos, you know, the foundations, you know, I think it could be a huge hit. I'm serious. Yeah, I think it could do. I, I think, think even, I 
And I have friends, I think even bigger than, I mean, I hate to say it, the San Diego's great. I love the Bronx Zoo show. I love my friends in San Diego. Zookeeper Rick is doing great, but it's a unique angle. I mean, like in the extremes, people love extremes. Like, that's good. Yeah, I think so too. I think we, we've got some options. And I think that small zoo piece, I, I think that, you know, everybody sees these big zoos and, and the great work they're doing and they have the, they have the resources to do so. But sometimes it's these little zoos and, and Zoo Montana is certainly not alone. I mean, Idaho's got some great small little Idaho Falls and Pocatello and, and some of these great zoos that are doing really good work, but just don't get the, you know, the notoriety that some of the big zoos do. And I think, I think it's an avenue for some of these small zoos to have a voice. So I'm excited about that. Absolutely. Okay. So let's just talk about some of these TV appearances. I have have to know late night with conan extreme home makeover nat geo like talk about those experiences were you on as a talent so on the extreme makeover and on the nat geo yes uh not on the on the uh on the conan o'brien you know how it works you know you put it on there but yeah i was the i was the animal guy uh oh no uh, soak it up i wouldn't have known absolutely so, well that's what you gotta that's what you gotta someone do someone uh, yeah I was going to say, someone wrote on one of my bios, I was doing a live appearance, and they were like, Maxie has appeared numerous times on the Oprah show, and I'm like, hell, why not? <laughs> I never, were there. No, you I, met her. No, I never did. <laughs> no. How's Oprah? Great. <laughs> she was so nice. She was so nice. You know, like, she gave me oh. things. It was great. Yeah, I've never been on Oprah. Anyway. Oh, that's thanks. hilarious. <laughs> Go ahead. Okay. I don't feel so bad now. Okay. Uh, now. Yeah, but Extreme Makeover, that was a lot of fun, you know, sort of meeting, you know, meeting Ty and what have you. And so we did that. Um, the house that they built was when I was in Tampa. The house they built was for um, – I believe it was a blind veteran, if I remember right, but they had kids, and so they did a, a zoo-themed room, and so they had us out to kind of help with the, the theming and the animal part of it as well. Um, and then, yeah, the Nat Geo and the Netflix stuff, you know you know all those shows, like the 72 Most Dangerous Animals. Um, I've been the, the talent on that, just to kind of the expert, uh, to talk about the animals on those shows, and that's a lot of fun. Because it does get a lot of a lot of play. Those seventy-two most dangerous animals. I had no idea how popular that show was, um, and I'll tell you that was one of the toughest shows I did because I had to explain how dangerous red pandas are. Uh, you've seen red pandas, yeah, right? Of course, cutest little not much danger in... yeah. there, but I had to make it sound like you know the claws. It was, <laughs> but it was fun. It was a fun show to do, and unfortunate that I was able to do it. I had to do. They used me one time for Inside Edition. Remember. Um... National Geographic was doing that show from the guy who was eaten by an anaconda or he wanted to yeah, be eaten alive. that live show, yeah. Oh my God. So they got me. It's so funny how they clip and edit this because they got me at like the headline. I was like, this is ridiculous. And they cut. <laughs> and, it goes, and then at the time we we're in talks with that Geo and I was like, wait guys, don't put that in. Like I don't want to yeah. you know, piss off anybody. <laughs> of course they didn't listen to it. It was so oh, funny. But I was like, happy that didn't go through. But okay. So, and then you were a handler at Late Night with Conan? I was, yeah. Yeah. I don't know if you remember. Well, you probably know him as a reptile. Clyde Peeling. Remember him? Clyde. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so I was on with him twice. We went up to that show, and I tell you, it was one of my some of my favorite memories. And one of my my craziest memories was we were in New York uh, taking animals up. We drove up from Florida with a bunch of animals, and one year we took a nine hundred pound pig who didn't what? make it on the show. Uh, and 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 uh, um, oh god, what's his name from uh, Saturday Night Live? Um, oh Jimmy, gosh, he was Fat Albert. Oh, 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 um, I'm, I'm up. Keenan, no, no, Keenan, that was back yeah, in the... Keenan Thompson. Oh, really? Okay. So, yeah, he, was, he was the guest, and he was like, man, you guys had that pig out there, but you didn't bring him on. And Conan felt bad, so they ran a camera guy down as we were loading him up, and he made the he made the, the video, which I was pretty happy about. But anyway, back to my story, we had some llamas with us, some baby llamas, and we were walking them at the hotel, and a car backfired and freaked the llamas out, and their halter broke, and oh, they took God. off. And middle of, we were in Hoboken or Hackensack, New Jersey, and they're running right towards the street. I'm like, you know, this llama's going to get hit. It's the end of my career. And it turns and runs with the traffic. And, you know, all these cars are, you know, stopping, asking me, is that my llama? I'm like, yeah, give me a ride. (laughs) No one give me a ride. Finally, this thing stops in an intersection. The police come. We hit, we get this. The police, you know, come up to me, and I'm getting out my permits, thinking they want to see permits. And the police officer said, man, I could care less about permits. I, just, I heard on the radio there was a llama, and I've never seen one. So they made me open up the van. It was so embarrassing. Oh, my God. I'm sorry to laugh. No, it's, it's, but it was, it, was a, which, it, which, it was a good time. Which hotel did you stay at? And, I mean, did you, like, tell them you had animals? Because we would never tell them we had animals. 
No, we never do. No, and we ended up staying over the over the bridge in New Jersey, uh, at, and I think it was Hackensack. And, and we usually try to uh, find a hotel that we could drive right up to and just sneak the animals in. But every time I travel with animals, I never tell them. Oh, you you never do. I stayed in New I Jersey know. once with a uh, prehensile tail porcupine. Oh, that was okay. bad. A capybara, which yeah. is really bad. I mean, you can imagine, like, <laughs> it was a capybara named yeah. Bubba. And I was like, oh, God, this is not yeah. going to go good. Uh, dude, I've – wow. That's insane. It's, it's funny. It, you know, it's funny when you say it's bad because everybody obviously, you know, think what a what amazing experience you get to travel <laughs> with these animals. It is not all it's cracked up to be at all. <laughs> yeah, I don't – uh, we don't drive anymore, but, but we used to back in the day. Now I fly in and, you know, I work with animals that are there and now I do kind yeah. of what Jack does. But that took years to establish. Like I had that's to – got the gig, man. That's what it's all about. And that, yeah, just makes it so much easier on you and, and so much more fun. So, yeah, kudos to you. Yeah, and talk about like that studio too because actually I think um, where Conan filmed, that's where they do Late Night with Seth Meyers now on the same floor as – I think so. Yeah, right. Exactly. And are you – is that are you on with him? Yes, yes. Oh, fantastic. Well, that took – I mean it's been we were on we've been on twice they reared once like three times but it's been okay. some time since i've been on and like i said so many people are like why are you not back in the show and it's just very it's it's tricky yeah absolutely it really is tricky yeah exactly and to get that call so man that's that's fantastic kudos yeah thank you i appreciate it well kudos to you and i just i love all these experiences uh before we get going do you have okay let's say i'm gonna give you a dream exhibit for zoo montana yeah i do snow leopard Ooh. Okay. Yeah, uh, that that certainly would be, I think, my dream. Uh, you know, it's an animal. It's 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 a need. Um, we've got the perfect climate for it. Uh, we've got the perfect area that we could build that exhibit. Uh, so without a doubt, that would probably be my number one. Um, and snow monkeys, the Japanese, <gasps> uh, uh, the Japanese yes. snow monkeys. I think those would be high on my list as well. Uh, people love primates. Um, again, pretty unique animal. Um, I think we could do a pretty cool exhibit with them too. Oh, that's really cool. Oh, I, yeah. that's a great idea. Okay. What is the number one animal that people request to see? Uh, people love otters. Uh, that uh-huh. People love the otters and the grizzly bears. You know, we have a lot of out-of-towners um, seeing grizzly bear, grizzly bear up close uh, like we, you can see here. Um, people really love that. Um, but I'll tell you, the number one probably request that we get, giraffes. But that's not happening, unfortunately. Oh, giraffes. Interesting. Yeah, people love giraffes. <laughs> people love but it. No, no, no go here. Yeah, okay. Do you have any advice for anyone wanting to uh, get into the zoological field? Put their toes in, yeah. jump in. Go ahead. Absolutely. And follow your passion is number one. I mean, passion will change you. It is amazing what it can do for you. Volunteering your time shows that that uh, that facility and that director and, and those leaders at that facility that you really want to give what's most valuable to you, and that's your time. So that's going to go a long way. Uh, interning is a great way to get experience under your belt. And uh, don't be afraid to put in your dues. Work at the concession stand like I did. Get your time in. And, uh, again, that shows dedication. And, and people are going to recognize that. So follow that dream. Make it happen. It's not going to be lucrative at first. But as you move through your career, that will get better. And, you know, the number one thing to remember is be happy when you go to work. And uh, working at a zoo or an animal-related field that's exactly what you do. I have the best office in the world. I have a bad day. I can go down and hang out with my porcupine. That's a good day. That's and that's what we're fortunate for. So follow those dreams. Awesome. Jeff, you're great. And people can find you on YouTube, correct? Absolutely. Find me on YouTube. You can uh, look me up under Jeff the Nature Guy on, on uh, Instagram or Facebook as well. Awesome. And then Zoo Montana, of course. I'll include the links in the bio and stuff like that. Awesome. That awesome. sounds great. Jeff, I'm going to make the drive. Do you know how far away it is from Boise? Uh, you know, I think you can make it in probably 11 to 12 hours. Pretty close. Oh, wow. Okay. Sounds good. I'm going to do it someday. Dude, I want to see I'm the Wolverines. You let me know when. And hey, man, you keep up the good work. It's awesome to see. I'm going to check out uh, Late Night with Seth. That's awesome, man. Do it. Yeah, dude. Check it out on YouTube. I will. Awesome, dude. Well, awesome. Thank, thank you so much, Jeff. I appreciate it. It's been a pleasure. Talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to the Animals to the Max podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with friends and family. Also, if you haven't already, hit the subscribe button. It really helps me out. As always, if you have any guest suggestions, if you want to email me personally, head on over to CorbinMaxi.com. And if you haven't already, check out our social channels. You can follow me at CorbinMaxi on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. We'll talk to you next time.